This recording begins with a reading of the Gospel of the Day. That will be followed by the homily from Father Paul O'Brien. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. When his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found with child through the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her husband, seeing he was a righteous man, yet unwilling to expose her to shame, decided to divorce her quietly. Such was his intention when, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, into your home, for it is through the Holy Spirit that this child has been conceived in her. She will be your son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has said through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and be our son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke, he did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took his wife into his home. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Lord Jesus Christ. This is the fourth Sunday of Advent. This year, because December 25th falls on a Sunday, we have the blessing of four full weeks of Advent. I am really encouraged by how many people in this community really do try to live Advent as a period of spiritual preparation for the grace of the Christmas season. To recap, and if you're brand new today, to get you up to speed with where we've been, the experience of the world is God owns time, and one of the many gifts of God through the church is through the Holy Spirit, God sanctifies time in different ways. During the Christmas season, we know from experience, God will offer this world once again the grace of the real birth or rebirth of Jesus Christ within us. How that will unfold, no one knows. When that will unfold, no one knows. But that it is real, and God wants it to unfold absolutely clear. Many of us have been preparing for the past three weeks, and hopefully we'll continue this upcoming week, for that grace, to be maximally open to it, and hopefully to cooperate with it when it comes. First two weeks of Advent, we focused on day by day, trying to turn away from deeds of darkness, from real sin in our lives, and to put on the armor of light to produce good fruit, real Christian love in action, as evidence of our repentance, to try to kind of clean out our systems and be maximally open for the grace of Christmas. Last Sunday, the third Sunday of Advent, we were reminded of John the Baptist's experience as an adult in prison, sending his disciples to Jesus to ask, are you really the Messiah or should we look for another? Jesus responds, and a lot of us entered into doing what he responds to John the Baptist, how he responds to John the Baptist, Look at who he really is, how Jesus really loves, how he enters mercifully and gives sacrificially to people in deep need. Many of us tried to be more honest about that this week and to not take offense at him, 
to not be put off by the real Jesus. So when he comes, we won't push him away. So to pull this together, we have to this point in Advent had reminders that if we want this grace of the birth, rebirth of Jesus to unfold in our lives, we should be prepared, not knowing how this is going to unfold, to become more like him through the grace of Christmas, to actually live his love more deeply through the grace of Christmas, meaning looking out for the blind, for the lame, for the lepers, for the deaf, for the dead, for the poor, in the world very much in which we live, and in all the ways that can be for people, knowing in the future, somehow we are called to live his love more with people in great need. So you could say from 50,000 feet, God wants to give you this gift. Obviously, any gift God gives us is only good. There's nothing but good from God. Knowing that growing to be more like Jesus involves change and probably challenge in my life, but it's got to be good for me. It's got to be good for us. Look at this world. We're so in need for the rebirth of Jesus. Of course, whatever change is involved in cooperating with the grace of Christmas, of course I would welcome it because it's only good for me. It's about salvation. You would think that from 50,000 feet. On the ground, absolutely not necessarily. I think that's what the readings of this fourth Sunday of Advent this year push. If you say, I want this grace, and I certainly intend to cooperate with it, be sure you're being honest about this. So two examples at opposite ends of the scale. First example from the first reading, from the seventh chapter of Isaiah. This is about a king of Judah, one of the two kingdoms of the Jewish people at this time, end of the eighth century before Christ, the king's name is Ahaz. Ahaz is in a very difficult situation. The kings of Israel and Syria are pressuring him into joining an alliance, surely <laughs> temple, against the king of Assyria. He has said he's not going to do it. He's not going to join into this alliance with these two kings. So the kings of Israel and Syria have invaded Judah, his country, and they've tried to conquer Jerusalem. They have not been successful yet, but super high pressure situation, very difficult, genuinely scary situation. God enters into this very bad situation of Ahaz, and God gives Ahaz a gift. God sends to Ahaz the prophet Isaiah. He's a legitimate prophet of God. He speaks for God. Isaiah says to Ahaz, this is God's message. Stay the course. Do not change your strategy. The kings of Israel and Syria in the future are going to lose their power. Do not be afraid of them and do not be afraid of this situation. Stay the course, do exactly what you're doing. God gives even more. God says through Isaiah, the passage we just heard, ask for a sign. To know that this is really true, ask for a sign. It can be as high as the heavens, it can be as deep as the netherworld. Ask for a sign so I, God, can show you that what I'm telling you is true. So, difficult situation, fear, all the pressure, but Ahaz does know God to some extent. 
he knows that God actually is deeply involved in this world, particularly with his chosen people, the Jewish people. Ahaz knows very well that God does speak through prophets. Ahaz knows that this certainly is God's grace. And his choice is, no, I won't. In the passage, he says, I won't tempt the Lord. Tempting, he's lying. He's lying to God, to everybody else, to himself. Tempting the Lord, testing the Lord, would be demanding a sign. God is offering a sign. This has nothing to do with anything other than accepting God's grace. So see, do you get this? God is saving Ahaz. God wants to save his people in this situation. He's entering into their difficulty. God is telling them, here's the future. You can't understand the details, but things are going to be okay. Here's what you need to do. Ask for a sign. When he refuses the sign, he's saying no to the grace that has entered that is meant to save him. When he says no to the sign, he ends up going off to the king of Assyria and setting up a deal with him. And this really matters. He becomes the vassal of the king of Assyria. He and his people, as a result of this, start falling away from the true God. Salvation is, of course I'd want a gift from God. Of course, if God tells me do this, of course I would do it. It can only be good. Imagine if God says, here's a sign. Of course I would ask for the sign. No. Whatever's going on inside of him, and I can give you 150 different things that are going on inside of him, those limitations are more important to him than God's salvation. Reality check. Reality check number two, example number two, at the other end of the scale is from the gospel reading today, first chapter of Matthew. In this first chapter of Matthew, in his story about the coming of the Savior into this world, the coming of Jesus, Joseph is at the center of the picture. Hopefully you all are familiar with this. Joseph is a man married, betrothed to a young woman named Mary. In the Jewish wedding custom of the time, as best we understand it, either Joseph or his family makes a contract with Mary's family for marriage. The contract has already been signed. They are betrothed, but she has not yet moved into his house. They have not yet had marital relations. Joseph finds out that Mary is pregnant. Joseph, it says in the passage, is a righteous man. He's really alive in God. Like God, he's both just and merciful. As best we understand it, it could be that Mary would be killed for having sexual relations with a man who's not her husband. He does not want her, probably, to be killed, or whatever the consequences are. So he decides to divorce her quietly, to end the marriage contract, and they'll both go on with their lives. Such is his intention. That's what he understandably intends to do. God enters into this extremely difficult situation. Are you seeing the parallel here? God enters in, and God gives Joseph a gift of salvation. Turns out to be the ultimate gift of salvation. God sends an angel in a dream, not in the room like Mary, in a dream. And the angel in the dream tells Joseph that Mary is pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the truth. How many times before this in human history has a woman become pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit? Zero. How many times after this 
will any woman become pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit? Zero. Clear message, but it's a dream. The angel is not here in the room. Angel gives some explanation. You're to take her into your home. You're to name him Jesus. He'll save his people. Maybe Joseph has some expectation of a Messiah. Maybe this clicks in. But you get it. This is a very difficult situation. Whatever his plans are for the future, they're going to be very different. The expectation of his community, his family, oh, you know, by the way, she's pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Really, honestly, an angel told me in a dream, no one's going to buy that. If someone came and told you that today, you shouldn't buy it. The family, the community in which he lives are not going to necessarily take this well at all or ever understand it, ever understand it. Everything about his future is up in the air other than God. He does know that God works in this world like Ahaz. He does know that God actually sends messages, message, messages through dreams. He knows that from the scripture. He does know that the message is clear. Here's what your future is. Yes, the details are unimaginable, but here's what it is. This is what you're to do. What will he decide like Ahaz? He decides, yes, I will accept this gift. With all of the danger, with all of the challenges, and with all of the change in the future that this will involve, Joseph has to grasp that his future is all about change in God. He is going to somehow be God's instrument in unimaginably new ways for the rest of his life. If God's child is coming into his life, his entire future is about God's child. So, two reality checks. Joseph has the grace of salvation offered to enter his life, and he says yes to it with the implications that he's going to have to change dramatically in God in the future. So, where are you? Fourth Sunday of Advent. You've got a whole week ahead in the midst of whatever else you're doing to focus on this. If you are thoroughly convinced and confident that you want this grace of Christmas and you will cooperate with it, great. Keep those two examples, reality checks in mind this week. Be sure, be sure you're on the Joseph end. And if you honestly, be honest, don't be like Ahaz, recognize right now, I don't really want that grace for whatever reason, or I do not have any significant interest in living more like Jesus Christ when that grace comes into my life and remains in my life, just be honest. Why is that? Why is that? What in your life is so much more important to you than receiving the grace of salvation and living more than Jesus Christ? I'll give you examples and I will shut up from those first weeks, two weeks of Advent. Plenty of us recognized in those first two weeks of Advent, I should turn away from this sin but I like that sin, and I'm not going to turn away from it. Plenty of us in those first two weeks of Advent realized I could love more like Jesus right now, but I'm not going to do it like my drinking, like my nastiness, like my selfishness, like my supreme confidence that I'm on the way to heaven. I don't need more Jesus. Be honest about why you don't want to become more like Jesus. 
Are those realities more important than salvation, or are they the realities from which he wants to save you? You have been listening to Father Paul O'Brien, pastor of St. Patrick Parish in Lawrence, Massachusetts. For more information about the parish and to get involved, please go to stpatrickparish.com or follow us on social media. Thank you for listening.